Hello there, this is Mark Bauerlein with another conversation. Before we get to it, a word about one of our sponsors. You may have seen a recent article in InsideHigherEd.com that began, Wyoming Catholic College has a lot of unusual things about it, each enough to merit a story in itself. Wyoming Catholic is a conservative Catholic college that educates students in the great books and Catholic tradition. It also teaches horsemanship and bans cell phones on campus. I love that. And it turned down federal funding. President Glenn Arbery describes the mission this way. This college is engaged in deep ways with the agony of a culture that has lost its spiritual center. We're adventurous and poetic and deeply Catholic. He likes to cite Dostoevsky in Crime and Punishment. Low ceilings are bad for the soul. The ceilings rise at Wyoming Catholic, which is located in the foothills of the Wind River Mountains, the curriculum centers in the Western tradition. Its Catholic identity builds upon Thomas Aquinas and the magisterium of the Catholic Church and engaging with God in the wilderness. Find out more at wyomingcatholic.edu. All right, we have with us today Sam Sorbo. She is an actress, a radio host, and a podcaster, the host of the Sam Sorbo Show, where she comments on politics and current events with guests, such as Ted Cruz, who I was just listening to on an episode of her show from last week. She is also the author of They're Your Kids, An Inspirational Journey from Self-Doubter to Homeschool Advocate. And this brings us to our topic today, which touches touches pretty much everyone in the current crisis, homeschooling. As a webinar hosted by the Heritage Foundation recently was entitled, We're All Homeschoolers Now, Navigating the Coronavirus Challenge to K-12 Education. One panelist at that event was, this is Sorbo. First, welcome and thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're all homeschooling now. So the joke's on you guys because I've been doing it for 10 years, 10 plus years. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we are not prepared. Uh, and so we need your help, certainly. Now, let me ask you first, before getting to the present situation, uh, in, in your book, the course, your journey from skeptic to advocate of homeschooling that right. you describe in that book, uh, how did that happen? Well, it's it, 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 that's all in the book, frankly. But um, I started because we moved for the school system. We moved to a much better area for schools, thinking that 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 we were doing right by our kids, right? And then my first born went into first grade and went through second grade. And in second grade, I realized they just weren't getting the job done. In fact, they were doing kind of a miserable job. Sure, the school was pretty and the kids got along and, it, you know, uh, the, the other parents were nice. The teacher was great. I really liked her. Um, but at the same time, you know, I helped out in the classroom a lot. I was I was constantly there chatting with the teacher after school, picking the kids up. I took the kids to the library during school hours. I graded papers for the teacher. I actually taught art in the classroom. And yet it took five months and me asking how his book reports were for her to tell me, oh, not very good. And I was shocked I thought at first I thought she was joking. 
And I asked for clarification and she showed me like a really good book report, which between you and me, hindsight now, I see was probably written by one of the parents. But still, uh-huh. I was sort of, sort of flummoxed and, and frankly mortified that um, that my son just wasn't sort of towing the line, wasn't keeping up and, and that I had no idea for five months. And so I started doing book reports with him after school. And their book report for the school was, it's a piece of paper and you fill it out and you fill out like one sentence per chapter or two sentences per chapter. And I just, I started looking at that and I, uh, and it was a, it was a battle of course, because it was after school every day. No, you got to read a chapter in your book now. Now, what are you going to write? And he would always try to write like the first sentence of the chapter. (laughs) And I'm like, no, that's not a summary, you know, this kind of thing. And the more back and forth we went, I was just like, this just is not a successful strategy. And oh, guess what? I guess I'm homeschooling now because I'm already homeschooling when I'm doing homework with my kid. It's just already at the end of the day and we're both tired and cranky and hungry. And that's a recipe for disaster. And so I just, it it started a glimmer in my head, like maybe I should consider homeschooling because if it takes this much work for me to get to a point where I'm not even really quite satisfied, then maybe I can do better without the help of the school, right? There's an irony here uh-huh. in that you were, for that teacher, you're the ideal parent. You, she, she must have loved having your kids in class, but huh. I wonder how many <laughs> homeschool parents are the, the people who actually should have their kids in school in order to, again, raise the standard, you know, hold, hold the expectations highly. And, and that, you know, that, that, that because oh, yeah. these parents are so conscientious, that's why they become homeschoolers. So, so you're saying sacrifice the kids so that the other kids can look bad. I don't know. Like, like you're saying I was, I was the ideal in a sense. I was an ideal parent because my kid was so well behaved or, 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 you know, I was so invested. And in fact, the schools tell us that, um, that children perform so much better when the parents are invested, that there's a direct correlation with the investment of the parent to the, to the child's performance at school. And I go, gee, you know, extend that out to, to its, to its ultimate end and you have a homeschool parent and a child that doesn't attend school. <laughs> but exactly. I mean, I exactly. went to pick up, I picked up my kid one day and, and the, the teacher had now to, to her credit or defense, she had five problem children in her classroom, five of them, five right. behavioral problem children. And one day I went to pick up my son and she said, today was such a great day. I seated little Jimmy next to your boy because I was hoping that your boy would have like a calming effect on him. And they sat and they did math for 45 minutes. And your boy just was just, it was just fantastic because your boy really kept little, little Johnny in check or whatever. And I'm like, uh, not his job. <laughs> like, exactly. Right. So, uh, you know, I started toying with the idea of homeschooling and then we went on a trip. And when you go on a trip, you got to tell the school and they give you work to do. And then you bring the work back. And when you turn the work in, the school can say the kid was basically in school. And so they can get money. 
And yeah. so I did what I was told, but I put the work in front of my son. Now, mind you, second grade. And he says to me first, right, right off the bat, he says, mommy, mommy, teacher says we don't have to do this in class. We don't, we don't have to do this. And I said to him, but, the, but okay. she gave it to me for you to do. So you do have to do it. He's like, no, no, no. She says in class, she says, we don't have to do this. And I'm like, oh, that's a lovely turn of events. So she's actually given me the work to make him do this work, even though he's not supposed to do it in class. Like now all of a sudden I'm the bad guy and I didn't appreciate that. And that's really what Uh got me thinking, you know, I could fail and probably do better than what he's getting right now. And in fact, it's not that I've performed that well. It's that children are innately curious. And all you yeah. really, all yeah. that's really required is a little bit of guidance and a little bit of, uh, of, you know, stoking that fire of curiosity, unleashing them to would, go and explore. Yeah. What was your preconception of homeschooling before this? <laughs> that I had to be perfect, that I had to know everything that I needed to be well organized and um, and purposeful and uh, targeted and hit my targets and perform. Uh, I, I mean, I had all of these preconceptions, right? Because I grew up in the system, like most of us do, and so we think that homeschooling is recreating the school at home. I mean, I had a friend who actually took a room in her house and repainted it, put a blackboard up, went out and bought little desks, the, the little chair desks for the kids when her kids were, were young. And she set up the desk. She set up a whole classroom in her house. Oh, my goodness. Can I please tell parents out there, please don't do that. There is no reason to reproduce what is now a crumbling system of education that seemingly everybody admits is broken. There's no reason to reproduce that. Now, I have to make the caveat because uh, a lot of times people sort of give me a bit of pushback. Don't, you know, don't uh, don't dump on teachers like you do. I don't dump on teachers. I think teachers are phenomenal. I think teachers are caught in in a system that's virtually broken and they're doing the very best that they can. But it's it's hard. It's like you're you're running the opposite direction on a train that's out of control going the wrong way. So good luck, you know, the train's still moving that way. So you can run all you want in the opposite direction, but you're not going to beat the train. And so, I mean, I think we're, we've reached a point in, in our, and I was saying this before COVID-19, by the way, we need to rethink education. We need to rethink the way that we view and approach education. We need to put entrepreneurial spirit back into education. Yeah. Well, when you... When you began the homeschooling, did you worry about that off-stated concern of insufficient socialization for your kids? <laughs> okay. Uh, well, yes, yes, but no. So, um, so here's the thing. I was very lucky uh, early on to figure out that you have to prioritize and it typically boils down to an A or B choice. It's typically a binary choice. There are a lot of other mitigating factors like socialization. But here's the thing. Are we talking about education or are we not talking about education? Because then your primary choice is education and then socialization, I'm sorry, doesn't figure into it. Oh, are you going to compromise your child's education so that they can be quote unquote socialized like a dog that you take to a dog park? I don't believe in socialization. I think that that's completely, uh, that's like a made up thing to offer, to offer a red herring uh, to, you know, confuse the issue, basically. 
So um, socialization is a meaningless term because if you put a child in a room full of 30 other children, that child's same age, there are no guarantees. So do you mean the bullying type of socialization or do you mean the head of the class socialization or do you mean the ridiculed and picked on socialization? What kind of socialization are we going for? And then tell me, how are you going right. to discern that when you drop your child off at school and wave goodbye, leaving them with really a complete stranger? <laughs> I mean, I remember right. our first our first day of first uh, first grade in our new school system the day before they posted the teachers because they didn't want any flack from parents about teacher assignments. So it was the day before school and they posted them and they sh- they shut and locked the office and you, you had no, there was no redress. The next day you showed up with your kid for whatever teacher they chose for your kid. And my girlfriend called me and she said, oh, you got the really good teacher. I'm so happy for you. You got Mrs. Smith or whatever. And I was like, oh, yay, that's fantastic. And then the next day I walked my little, my precious bundle of joy. I walked him down to first grade and I handed him off to a complete stranger. And, uh, you're supposed to expect that the child will come out uh, uh, socialized, <laughs> educated, uh, disciplined right. in in the right way. That's uh, that, that, that's quite a that's quite a choice to make. And I'll, I'll tell you my observation when I spoke on college campuses, spent time with students. I mean, I've been a teacher for for 35 years, and my observation that I think I can identify the homeschoolers in my college classes or when, when, I'm, when I'm visiting a campus and I have lunch with a bunch of students, the homeschoolers I have found tend to be a little different. First of all, in their patterns of speech, uh, they have fewer of those adolescent ticks, you know, the like, 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 but also they, they take their time. They formulate their thoughts more carefully. They're a little more thoughtful and observant about their own words. Uh, they're more comfortable around adults, too. You actually talk in one of your videos about the, sort of the age segregation problem, the way peers, that they're plunked into that, that, the socialization process. It's so horizontal. It's all your own age. And that a lot of these kids, especially in the Internet age, they don't have a lot of experience mingling with, mingling with adults. Who, who aren't there, who aren't uh, older than they are, who right. they have to learn to relate on non-peer-based content. And I think, I think they have a great advantage when they go to college and when they go to the workplace, where you've got a lot of mixing of age groups. Do you find that? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say I, I'll go even maybe a step further um, and that's a, that I'm just mimicking John Taylor Gatto, who brought that up. And of course, he was he was voted as the best school teacher in the state of New York for a couple years running. And then he promptly like resigned and left the system and 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 talked smack about it for the rest of his days, you know, kind of thing. Um, but the thing is that, yeah, children who are socialized only with other children right? How are they supposed to learn manners? How are they supposed to learn proper etiquette, proper speech? It's Lord of the Flies, okay? 
I, I don't. I, why are we thinking that that's going to produce a good outcome when the, the outcome is is more than likely more towards Lord of the Flies than anything? And so homeschoolers, you're you're talking about you're talking about current day homeschoolers. It used to be that homeschoolers were such misfits that they literally couldn't get into the school, like they just couldn't survive the school system. Um, and, and that was sort of the majority of homeschoolers. There were the outliers where the parents were like, no, I totally understand what's going on. That's not going to happen to my kid. And I'm homeschooling, even if it's against the law. And there were a few of those. But for the most part, the known homeschoolers were the were the complete misfits. And so there was no hope for them, even if they went. To, there was certainly no hope if they went to school. Little hope for them to really sort of recover um, if they didn't go to school. And for that reason, homeschoolers developed this sort of... Um, stereotype of the misfit, right? But that's no longer the case because people are discovering homeschoolers perform academically 30 to 35% better on standardized tests. Um, And they perform socially better on the test that I don't know how they do the test, but basically with social skills. And and then you have that experience just as an anecdotal, your experience. I, I had somebody on the radio the other day who said his best student ever was a home educated student because she was willing to challenge him and provide evidence. Right. And, and, you know, education, the proper definition of education uh, uh, stems from the having the ability to entertain a thought without losing your composure or your self-confidence. Right. Just the ability to entertain a thought and mull it around and then make a decision about it without feeling so um, challenged. And we've completely lost that. So now we have entire universities that that have said, oh, no, there are safe spaces. We have to have uh, silence from a particular point of view because the children completely lose their tempers when they hear or see somebody that challenges them with any thought that doesn't already coincide with their thoughts. I mean, it's frightening what we've done to education in the United States. And that's why I'm challenging people to rethink education. The other reason I'm doing it is because our ed- our our public school system is geared to college prep and career readiness. And to me, that sounds like, because I'm so far down this path now, that sounds like a Ponzi scheme. It's, it's a pyramid scheme. It's we're going to convince you and your child that you need to spend a lot of money so that in the long run, hopefully, you'll make a lot of money. Uh, that's a pyramid scheme. And some people do the pyramid scheme and they come out on top. And then there are a bunch of other people who what end up living in their parents' basements and working at, uh, you know, some kind of fast food place and they don't have a career, but they did spend a lot of money on college. Right. Right. And so Um, I just, I think we should challenge that. And, you know, John Ratzenberger's done uh, great inroads in, in getting, and so has um, Mike Rowe actually in, in telling, showing people the trades are a great way to go. And this nation needs tradespeople. And there's nothing wrong with pursuing a trade. I mean, some of the most successful people I know are plumbers. Plumbers are not going to be replaced by automation either. Right. Not, not for they're, a long they're, time. They're, they're secure. <laughs> we, and welders. Need 
you know, builders, right. welders, uh, carpenters, like, you know, th- yeah, we're slowly moving towards automation in car manufacturing and, and other industries, but there's still plenty of industries out there that require tradespeople. And so, you know, we, we right. ought to be encouraging our children. Look, uh, a friend of mine's a plumber and runs his own business and does plumbing for, um, for hospitals, and that comes at a premium because you got to get it right the first time. They they don't mess around. You know what I mean? So my point is there there's upward mobility in a lot of different professions that we're not considering because somehow our education system is only geared towards spending money in college. I mean, seriously, we don't teach entrepreneurship. Look, 60% of jobs today require sales. Do we teach sales? No, never, not even close. So, uh, I, you know, I don't know what we're hoping for, but it, but we're certainly not aiming for education anymore. Well, one thing is that that you point out, you, you call, we're all accidental homeschoolers now. We're all, we're all here now. I'll I'll say, get your website, samsorbo.com. You've got many, you, you've got many videos up already helping the, the accidental homeschoolers, people who this is all new to them. Yes. And you've got some good advice on there. Uh, for instance, uh, one talking about discipline. And why, why don't you tell these parents who might have a child in the home now and the child is having a hard time accepting the parent as teacher. It's just difficult for that child to put the, the parent in, in that role. What is the parent to do about that? Ah, great. The respect issue. And I, I don't know if it's a respect issue or if it's just an adjustment issue, but it's hard. Uh, the home is now a place to learn. So it, it, there's no school you go to now. There's no teacher uh, around. How, right. does, how does the parent facilitate that switch? So, and, and it's funny that you say this because on Friday I, I'm doing, I'm putting up a video, short video every morning. And then every morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, I'm doing a live feed talking about the various issues. The live feeds a little bit longer, goes a little bit more in depth. And last Friday I did a, a live feed on authority. Um, and so what we have is, and, and this is what parents haven't understood. And I'm hoping that we're going to, we're going to see a, a bit of an awakening in our, in our culture, in our, in our society today, because what's happened is when you drop your child off at school, you are tacitly telling the child that you are one incapable, which is sad because you're telling a kindergartner that you're not capable, which is kind of like, really? And two, and you know, especially if your child's like crying, please don't leave me. I don't want you to go. Mm. Um, but two, you're also telling them that you no longer have authority. You're handing them over and you tell them now you listen to the teacher, right? And so she's supplanting your authority. And the first time the, se- the teacher sends home a piece of paper that mommy has to sign, then you sign it, right? And your authority has been fully subverted by the, th- the authority of the teacher. And so the school now has the authority. And the parent no longer has the authority because the children understand there's a pecking order. And so obviously they're going to try to push you out of the way because they know who the authority is and it's not you. And so now all of a sudden all these kids are at home and you know how we say, 
um, oh, teenagers. Like I say to people, I have three teenagers and they kind of roll their eyes and say, wow, that's, that's tough, you know. I'm like, no, it's not. And the reason that it's not tough for me and for my family is because my authority has never been challenged. Not in the same way that the school would have challenged it. If that makes sense, right? If you're following along. So now you've got teenagers at home, but the parents don't have the authority because the school has the authority and the, the parents come under the authority of the school, especially if they stand over the child saying, you have to do this homework because the school says you have to do this homework, right? My authority is God. And, uh, you know, I defy you to, cha- to challenge that and, and go to a, you know, well, mom, I prayed today. And God told me that you, whatever, <laughs> you know, that, that, that's a no, that's not a, a winning solution, right? So my authority and my husband's authority doesn't get challenged. Um, are you allowed to roll your eyes? No, you're not. That's absolutely not allowed. And it's met with uh, a, a consequence that is swift and, um, and coordinated, right? Uh, that's that's uh, related, relatable consequence. But, but these parents are struggling because they... They're struggling because they have to reassert their authority. And so I did a whole video right. trying to sort of come alongside them and give them some, give them, uh, 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 some tips and some ideas about the assertion of authority, right? So one way to assert your authority might be, and I know this is a bit harsh, but this was a suggestion that my son made to me. If you have older kids, you change the password on the Wi-Fi. And you do not have a fight. You do not need to engage because the authority goes to the person who assumes it best. And the fact is that you pay for the Wi-Fi, so you have the authority already. So you change the Wi-Fi password. And then when they say, hey, why, the Wi-Fi is not working, you say, yeah, you can't have Wi-Fi until you finish your work. But mom, I need to blah, 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 right? Okay, if you need to get online, I will put you online on this computer where I can observe you. Yeah. And, yeah. but mom, da, 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 da. and you don't meet that with any kind of escalation. You simply say, oh, I'm sorry you feel that way. Maybe you need to just go take a rest in your room and read your book. And, and so mm-hmm. it's, and it's a, yes, so, so don't, there's a, there's going to fight. be a, right. Don't fight. There's no reason to fight. You have the authority. You don't Darn. have to struggle for it. Well, and, and one of the points here is that if your child is resisting your authority in this new context, it's because you have already given it away long ago. Right. That's what I said. That's exactly right. You, well, you okay. Yeah. You passed it off, but you didn't realize that you were doing that. So I don't blame the parents. Right. It's it's the system. I don't blame the teachers. I don't even really blame the administrators. There are good ones. There are bad ones. There are too many of them, frankly, um, which is why our costs are so uh, high in, in schooling. You know, you know, this country spends, uh, uh, I think we're second highest per capita expense in the world for, for education, for, for, per student, yeah. right? And, yeah. and yet we are 27th overall in the world. We're behind Lithuania. Or, you know, pick a country. Right. Nothing against Lithuania. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, the, 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 the figures don't add up, okay? And, and we're told that we underpay teachers. But the figures don't add up. So uh, we need to rethink, reevaluate 
our approach, our, our entire approach to education. Is college prep and career readiness your highest aspiration for your child? And if it is, I would urge you to rethink that. And if it isn't, I would urge you to reconsider why you're sending your child into a system that's, that's stated goal is that. It's not even their unstated goal. I would argue their unstated goals are, are maybe different, but the stated goal is that. So if that's not what you're aiming for, why are you using that system, aside from the fact that you've already paid for it? Do you think that this current situation really is an opportunity for <laughs> parents to clarify what, what, what the current education their child is getting really is and what it should be? So my, my first accidental homeschooler video was on opportun- opportunity versus loss. And I don't see it as a loss to lose uh, time in our schools. I don't see, I, I actually see, see it. I suppose some people could view it as a loss, but to me, it's much more of an opportunity. And I think it's an opportunity for parents to get to know their children. This is an opportunity for families to come together. Of course, I'm an optimist, so it serves me to look at it as an opportunity because let's say, let's face it, perspective is everything. You choose your your perspective. So my perspective is here's an opportunity for the family to come together, for parents to get to know their children, and for parents to test drive. What what does it look like? What does it feel like if I'm the one actually responsible for the education of my children in a manner that that I've assumed, right? Because just because you drop your child off at school doesn't mean you're no longer responsible for the child's education. You just feel like you've delegated it. And the problem is you've delegated it to an authority that is uh, probably less effective than you think. There's also the opportunity in here for parents to actually see the work that their children are being uh, made to do by the school system. There's an opportunity for, for parents to experience the idea that school really is only about three hours a day for grades, say, uh, K through six, um, and yet their children have to spend the whole day there. Um, there are so many opportunities in, in this tragic situation, right? And there's, this is absolutely a tragedy. It's going, it's, it's going to wreak havoc on our economy. Um, I mean, it, it is a tragedy, and yet there's a silver lining. And this, to me, is, is the silver lining. But that's, that's because I discovered, it took me about three years to finally figure out what a tremendous gift it was to be able to home educate. And so my message is, has been for the past, I don't know, seven or eight years, has been to, to try to um, inspire parents to understand, one, the sacrifice that they make when they drop their kids off at school. I don't think they really understand the sacrifice. And the idea that home education is much easier than you think, and it's much more... Uh, beneficial than you've ever dreamed. It's it's much more uh, um, of an enhancement to your personal life than you could ever dream. And the reason that you couldn't dream it is because you've been educated in a system that seeks to prolong itself. And so the system has taught you, one, you can't, and two, you shouldn't. Tim, a, a quick practical question, concrete question. How long does the learning, the, the work, the education work in an ordinary homeschool day have to last? So how many hours? So well, uh, it's different for different level 
different grades, right? Different ages is different because learning happens at a different pace for different ages too. Um, so what I said is basically K through six, maybe three hours a day. And if you have a, if, if you have a precocious child, maybe that child should read for an hour and a half as well or something else, right? So, and it depends what, like my, my homeschool day includes piano every day. My kids play piano every day. That's just part of the deal. Um, so it, it depends on what you choose. But uh, as, a, as a sort of a standard metric, we say about three hours a day. And that's three hours for the child, which is not three hours for the parent. Let's be clear. It's right. maybe an right. hour for the parent, Maybe because the parent is doing some instruction, but then the child has to go and work it right. Work the lesson themselves. And then the parent has to correct the lesson and correct the child's mistakes and stuff like that. So that's through, that's through sixth grade. And then as of seventh grade, the children are capable of handling more of a full day. And so you maybe, maybe six hours of a con- concerted study. But again, that's not the parent's thing. That's the child's thing. And so the parent, maybe, maybe it's a, maybe it's two hours, uh, um, all told. Right. But what's amazing is the learning can happen anywhere because once the parent is actually involved, you could be driving to your guitar lesson and be instructing the child, having that discussion about the screw tape letters or mere Christianity or Jane Eyre. Right. And so, so, you know, I, there's a chapter in my book, There are Your Kids, where I talk about, um, you know, people say that, that uh, everything is a learning opportunity. But I didn't really understand that until I was well into this journey. And I realized that it's not everything's a learning opportunity. It's that everything is always uh, uh, instruction. And so my whole demeanor was, I'm the instructor for my children, so I'm everything I do is instructive, which is different than oh, there's a learning opportunity around every around every corner, right? And and it's a it's a complete shift in your mindset that happens that's I, I that's glorious because all of a sudden it's you and the kids, baby, and that makes it so much more fun. I mean, I I am growing young adults like. I'm growing them into the human beings that that I couldn't even imagine they might be. Whereas if I if I had, which I did, right? If I dropped my kid off at school every day, then then the learning would have been sort of an aside. Um it's it just becomes less than. And then learning is relegated to the institution. And you know you can't learn anything outside of the school because all the learning happens in the school. You know, it just, it's a, it's a completely different mindset. I have to get in a, a plug for uh, coronavirushomeschooling.com because that's the website that, that actually brought about this podcast. Um, I've partnered with these guys out of Texas. It's the Texas Homeschool Coalition. They've been at this for over 30 years. So they're bringing all of their um, experience to bear. And they've developed a K through five so far. We're working every day to expand it to the upper upper levels, upper grades. But it's K through five right now. It's absolutely free. And it's a curriculum because... Um, with with a schedule and the whole, it's it's the soup to nuts for the for the accidental homeschooling parent, right? They have no idea where to begin, and so we're just offering them the materials to get them started on their way, in the hopes that 
once they once they get started, they'll 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 start to embrace it um, because it really is about family and uh, you can enjoy this, but it's so scary. We're trying to just give them all the tools that they need just to get started. Once they get started, they'll realize, oh, it's not as scary as all that. I don't have to recreate a school at home. I just have to inspire my children to learn. That is coronavirushomeschooling.com. Parents can go there and find curricular resources. You can go to samsorbo.com and see her. You have daily videos up there giving very practical advice to parents about issues of discipline and subject matter in, in the school and how to, uh, how to keep your kids on, on track. Thank you for joining us, Sam Sorbo. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for listening to our conversation, which has been supported by Wyoming Catholic College, which combines great books, the Catholic tradition, and the great outdoors of the American West into an extraordinary education. Go to wyomingcatholic.edu or contact the admissions office at 877-332-2930.